tonight because the presence of God is in this house. The Holy Spirit is in this house. God is in this house. Jesus is in this house. And you're in this house. So you get to receive his grace, his love, his faith, his hope, and everything that he has for you here tonight. Can we give him a shout of praise? Bible. 
right there. Genesis, verse 2, he's right there. He's mentioned straight away. He is with God. God's saying the Spirit of God is hovering over the water. My Holy Spirit is hovering over the water. Right there, right in the beginning. And then right through the Bible, he's continually mentioned. If you look up scriptures with the Holy Spirit, I mean, we could teach on this for months and months and months. There's so many. He's so complex. He's so amazing. He's not a new concept. He was right there in the beginning, and he is right here with us tonight, and he's accessible for us tonight. He's the third part of the Trinity, but he's an equal part of the Trinity. In fact, God values the Holy Spirit so highly that the only unforgivable sin mentioned in the Bible is that of slander of the Holy Spirit. And I think of God's grace because you know how you, we always hear people use God's name in vain and Jesus' name in vain. But I mean, who do you really ever, you know, I can't say it because it's the only unforgivable sin. But you know what I mean? You never actually hear people slander the Holy Spirit. I think God's so gracious in that. But anyway, that's not the reason he did it, but it's just another level of his, of his grace. It's because he holds it so, that's his spirit. That his, that's his spirit. You cannot... You cannot speak against his spirit. I think the Bible says something along the lines of, if you speak against my spirit, you're actually cutting the tree that you're sitting, the branch that you're sitting off connected to the tree. Like you're, you're severing yourself from God. So not only is he there right in the beginning and all through the word of God, he's also with us right now at all times. Before Jesus was crucified, the Holy Spirit would come down like with an assignment from God. He would come and he would rest and he would do business, what needed to be done, and then he would be back with God. He wasn't with us 24-7. He wasn't in us and, and, and all around us. He just came for certain purposes. Like when Jesus was baptized, uh, the Holy Spirit, um, clouds, there was clouds, and then there was a dove. Dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit, a symbol of the Holy Spirit came down, and then God spoke from heaven um, you know, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And I'm sure that he spoke that over everyone here tonight as they got water baptized. Here's my son, here's my daughter whom I'm well pleased. I'm sure there were spiritual doves that we didn't see flying around. But, you know, the dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. But after that time, he didn't, he didn't stay and invade the earth right then and there. He actually went back to heaven with God. Jesus needed to be crucified he needed to die. He needed to rise again before that the Holy Spirit could be unleashed on the earth. And in John 16, 7, we have Jesus speaking to his disciples about who he's going to send to them. Because he's come back to life. He's meeting up with the disciples and they're like, oh, yay, Jesus is here. You know, everything's going to be okay, which it is going to be okay. But they're thinking Jesus is here to stay. But Jesus is saying, no, guys, actually, I've got to go. And they're like, what do you mean? You just got back. Like, where are you going to go? And this is what he says to them, John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengther, standby, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to be with you, to be in close fellowship, fellowship with you. You know, I love this scripture because not only has Jesus just paid the price for our sins, not only has he, has he died on the cross, a horrific death, not only has he sacrificed his life so we can be reconnected to the Father, 
he's died and he's risen again and he still has the wounds in his hands and his side and all that's still there and he's gone through this amazing thing just for me, just for you, that you could be reconnected to the Father. Not only that, he's he's saying, I'm actually going to go now so I can send down someone who's actually going to empower you to walk out this life. It's like the gift that keeps on giving. It's the gift of salvation, which would have been enough, but not only that, I'm going to empower you to actually walk out this Christian life. So I have to go. And I kind of get this image of, um, of Jesus, and he's, he's, I keep on getting confused with this this morning, it backs down. He's ascended, yes, ascended back into heaven, and he's gone, he's walked into the throne room, and for some reason I'm picturing sort of clouds, but kind of, you know, like really flash, and God's sitting on the throne, and he's walking towards God, and he's got a big smile on his face, and the Holy Spirit is next to him, and the Holy Spirit starts walking towards Jesus, and they're smiling, and they're like, man, did you see that? Did you see the disciples' faces when you just started ascending into heaven? Like, that was crazy stuff right there. And they're happy, and they're excited, and they go up to each other. This is the Holy Spirit and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit high-fives them, and they give each other a big hug, and then it's like, you know, Jesus is tapping out tagging out of the ring so the Holy Spirit can tag in. And I just see Jesus going, go, it's your turn. It's your turn. And he goes and he lands straight into Acts 2, 1 to 2, the day of Pentecost. And it reads, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it, windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And everyone present, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. I remember when I was given the ability to speak in other languages, heavenly languages. I haven't spoken any other languages yet. Anyone else here just... You know, Nat's learning Arabic. That's probably pretty close. <laughs> I think you need the Holy Spirit to help you learn a, le- a language like Arabic. But um, I remember the night that Dylan and I both got baptized in the Holy Spirit, actually. Um, it was at Silverwater. It was quite some time ago. It was a very different place. Um, we were actually in a room that doesn't exist, but it used to be one room. It's now two rooms. And um, it was a very intimate, sort of almost cafe-style setting. Like we had seats and tables and very small. I think there must have been about 20 people. And we'd had a woman's thing on that weekend and we had a guest preacher come. And I can't remember her name, but she was, um, she was awesome. We came to church that morning and I always like to chuck this in. I was being saved for about eight or nine months. Dylan was only two weeks. I got in there first, so we all know who's the holier one. And... We both went in the morning, we got um, spoken an amazing prophecy, I think we were standing right about here, we got this amazing prophecy spoken over both our lives and we were like on fire, we were young Christians, like we were just so hungry for the things of God and for the Holy Spirit and and, uh, we went, we were like, we've got to go back for the night service, we went back and she was talking on baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and she... um, she asked, is there anyone here who hasn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And because Dylan and I were the newbies, everyone was like pointing at us. And I'm like, like, no, no, like, why are you pointing at me? And so she came over to me and she asked me, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm good. I'm good. And she's like, well, okay. Like, and I'm like, yeah. And because you know why I said that is because for the last few weeks prior to that, I'd been having these like two sounds 
that kept on repeating over in my head. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I've, I've got the Holy Spirit. I even rang my auntie and said, yeah, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she's like, oh, wow, that's so exciting. Like, how do you feel? I'm like, mm, just normal, you know, like it wasn't. And I just had these two like syllables or sounds that kept on coming out. And so I thought that was it. And that was the outworking of it. It was trying to come out, but it hadn't quite got there. And so I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'm good to this lady. And she said, speak. Uh, oh, I actually, you know what? I'm not so sure now. Like, I, <laughs> I'm not so sure I've got the gift of the Holy Spirit. And um, she just said, speak. So I started off on my, my two little noises. I can't even remember what they are now. I, I have no idea what they were. And then all of a sudden, just like that, she's like, louder, louder, faster, louder, boom. Just like that, it just flew out of my mouth. She then went to pray for Dylan, and it's quite, um, quite funny because Dylan's a small guy, right? And he was sitting on the chair, but he was sitting like so, like this. Can everyone see this? So his back was not supported by the back of the chair. And he was sitting on the chair, and she came up, and she started praying over him, and he started speaking in the, in the Holy Spirit. And then he got slain in the Spirit. But he had no back to support him. So there's these guys, these little guys, like trying to hold this big six-foot, how many kg guy. <laughs> I won't embarrass you, hun. He's probably a bit smaller back then. But they were hold, trying to hold this guy, hold this guy up. And um, we went home. We were driving home. And we were just like on fire. Like we were just so pumped. We'd had like an amazing weekend of just the presence of God, the Holy Spirit filling us. I remember I got home. And I went to my room and I shouted in tongues for about an hour. It's like I had all this prayer pent up on the side of me that just needed to come out. And I just yelled out in, a, in the heavenly language that the Holy Spirit had given me. And it was just like this amazing release because the Holy Spirit gives you the words when you don't have the words. You know, sometimes things happen in our lives and we don't have the words. We don't have the we just don't, we just have nothing, but we have the gift of the Holy Spirit to intercede for us and to help us during that time. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. He is a gift. And in Acts 2, 38 to 39, it says, And Peter said to them, Repent, change your old ways of thinking, turn from your sinful ways, accept and follow Jesus as the Messiah, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, because of the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all, for all who are far away, including the Gentiles, as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. It is for everybody. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have the right to access the power of the Holy Spirit. And God does not want to hold it back from you. He wants you to have it. He wants you to live an empowered life. You know, having a relationship with him, the Holy Spirit is like having a relationship with, with anyone. It takes time. It takes time to build up that relationship. It takes time to build up that trust. It takes time to, you know, learn how each other works and, and understand each other. And um, when I say that, I mean it takes time for me to understand him because he's the Spirit of God and he knows exactly how I work. But it takes time for us to understand how, how he works. And it's a bit like this. My, um, my husband and I, we've been dating for almost 21 years next month. 
21 years, he's been my boyfriend. <laughs> Might be due for an upgrade now. <laughs> no, 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 no way. He's, he's, he's the best thing ever. I, I love him to bits. <laughs> and you know what? We can have a conversation with each other from across the room. You know, eyes, mannerisms, facial expressions. We don't sometimes need words to communicate because we know each other so well. We can just kind of vibe off each other and have this conversation from across the room. And it's a little bit like that with the Holy Spirit. As you learn to know him and his ways, sometimes I feel like I don't need words as much as just an understanding of how he's moving and actually flowing with that, looking to what he's doing and actually walking with that, understanding what he's doing. He's, we still speak with words but quite often it's more just a sensing and a knowing and that takes time that takes time it takes effort it takes praise it takes prayer it takes time of trusting him to work up to a relationship where you can just walk on water with him there's been times where um where I've prayed um for him to reveal things to me and just the miraculous just just happening. I've got so many stories, and I picked one that was really spiritual to share with you tonight. It was about the time I lost a camera. And, you know, I chose this story because I want to illustrate that God is into the everyday. Just because it's the Holy Spirit and he can do these amazing, miraculous things doesn't mean that life with the Holy Spirit is amazingly miraculous all the time. Some, he just wants to be included in our everyday life. And um, so I lost this camera, and this was back in the day when your phone did not have an awesome camera on it. This is back in the day when phones were for texting and for making phone calls. And um, I had borrowed my ca a camera off my sister-in-law, and I think it must have been about at least 10 years ago. I can't remember why I borrowed it, but I borrowed it, and um, she's actually going to listen to this podcast so I have to be careful with this story right now because she has a tendency to be a little bit possessive over her possessions, and she's going to know totally what I'm talking about. I'm not going to say your name. I'm so close to saying it just so it's there, but um, I knew that losing this camera was like a major deal. She was not going to be happy about this. It was an expensive camera, and I could not find it anywhere. And I was kind of freaking out, and I started pulling my wardrobe out and going to all those places where, you know, you've got those places where you put things. And uh, I kept on going to the same places, and I was going crazy. I'm like, I've already looked there. It's still not there. It's still not there. Pulling the wardrobe out, going over and over. Where is this camera? She's asking for it back. I need to, need to get it back to her. I can't afford to replace it. Like, oh, my gosh, she's never going to let me forget it if I lose this camera. She's going to remind me for the rest of my life that I lost her camera. So... I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, can you please reveal where this camera is? And just like that, I had a thought drop into my mind of the last time I had that camera in my hand. And I had gone down to the shop to develop the photos. And instead of putting that camera in my handbag, I put it in the basket underneath the pram. Closed the pram up, put it in the boot, hadn't used it since. So I ran out to the car, I opened the boot, opened the pram up, and sure enough, in there with baby blankets and all the crazy stuff you pack for a baby, there is the camera. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You just saved me a lifetime of condemnation from my sister-in-law. But, you know, that's, he's into that kind of stuff. 
He's into the small things, not just the big things. He's into the small things. He wants to do life with you on an everyday level, on an everyday basis. I think he gets excited when we invite him and give him space to move in those areas. It's like, okay, they get it. I'm here for them. They get it. Those small steps have built my trust in him. It's like stepping stones of faith. Those small steps of trusting him and walking out in him and, and, and acknowledging him have led to now being really easy and quick to step out in the bigger things of him. And in John 16, 13 to 14, it says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, full and complete truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but he will speak whenever he hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son. And he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. He will glorify and honor me because he, the Holy Spirit, will take from what is mine and will disclose it to you. The Holy Spirit will always exalt the name of Jesus. He will always lead you to the things of Jesus. If you're feeling confused and unsure if you're hearing your own thoughts or the Holy Spirit's thoughts or the devil's thoughts or or whatever it might be, if you're confused, here's a few tips that I've picked up along the way. And the first one is Jesus, just in that scripture, Jesus. He will always always point back to Jesus, always point point back to the word, always point you in the direction of a healthy church. He will always point you in the direction of of good pastors that are spirit-filled. He'll always point you to Jesus. That is one way of telling that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and he is with you. Another thing he does is he will correct you, but he will never condemn you. You know, we hear the words correct and conviction and they're like ouchy words. We don't like to hear those words. They're uncomfortable words. But I know as a parent and and trying to raise children that they need boundaries. Boundaries equal love to kids. They need to know that there's boundaries around them. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He puts boundaries and, and guidelines around us for our protection. He'll bring conviction and he'll bring correction for our protection, never to condemn us. If you're feeling condemnation, if you're feeling shame, if you're feeling guilt, I can tell you right now that is not from the Holy Spirit. And you need to rebuke that and find out who you are in Christ. And lastly, um, this is, you'll hear me say this nearly every time I preach, but let peace be your guide. The Holy Spirit is peace. He will always guide you and you will feel peace on the inside. If you're feeling turmoil, if you're feeling like something's not right, it probably isn't right. And you need to go and seek his guidance. You will feel peace when he guides you. So Monday morning, I woke up and it's kind of a, it was a weird experience. I just kind of sat up in bed, which, you know, it takes me a while to wake up most mornings. So it was kind of bizarre. And I can't even tell you if it was on the tip of my tongue or in my ears that I heard this, but the Lord's Prayer just echoed the Lord's Prayer. And I'm like, okay. And I felt really strongly to share it um, in my preach. And I'm like, you know, God, I am preaching on the Holy Spirit. Like, what's the Lord's Prayer got to do with it? And then I came to the prayer meeting on Tuesday night, and Dorian led the prayer meeting, and he wanted to model it in the in the model of the Holy uh, the Lord's Prayer, like praying through that. And I was like, okay, Tuesday, day two, and it's the Lord's Prayer again. So what's happening here, God? And by the way, Tuesday nights, first and third Tuesday of the month, 
7 to 8 p.m. in the auditorium, prayer meeting, Holy Spirit, be here to be touched by the Holy Spirit and be part of the engine room of the church. It's an amazing, amazing thing to put your, your prayers and, and come together and pray. So um, I'm like, God, okay, what's the connection here? What is it that you wanna, want me to share through this? And he took me back to um, when I was a younger Christian and learned about the Ten Commandments and basically that the Ten Commandments are there to show you that you can't do life without God. It's an impossible life without God. And I felt the Spirit of God say, just like that, you can't live out the Lord's Prayer without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can pray it out, but you can't live it out. And we were recently at a wedding and a funeral where they both recited the Lord's Prayer. And when I say recited, they recited it. There was no power in it. It was just, a, a, it was just, a, a, just words that they, that they used. And anyone can say these words. But it's when the empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes on them and comes in you that you can actually live this out. So we're going to read Matthew 6, 9 to 13. And it says, Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'm not that good. I'm not that good that I can live that life out in my own strength. I am not that good. I know you're thinking I'm pretty close, but I'm not that good. I'm really not that good. And I love this prayer. It starts with recognizing the holiness of God, the very spirit, the essence of God. Hallowed be your name. Exalting the holiness of God. And then it says, your kingdom come. I don't know about you, but I can't bring God's kingdom down here. Amanda does not have the power to bring God's kingdom. It's the Holy Spirit that would allow the kingdom of God to come. It says, your will be done. How do I even know the will of the Father if the Holy Spirit isn't revealing it to me? He reveals the secrets of God. He brings the scriptures to life it's like when you read them and, and, and they come to life and they click on the inside of you, that is the Holy Spirit doing that. And there's a great example of this when um, Jesus is talking to his disciples and they're all like questioning who he is and who do you say and then, you know, who's blah, 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 I don't know. You can kind of imagine they'll be a bit whiny at times, the disciples, right? I know it's probably like really bad thing to say, but sometimes I'm like, children, seriously, you're not his favorite, it's okay. <laughs> It's okay not to be his favorite. <laughs> uh, Amanda is his favorite. No, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, so Jesus throws it back at them, which he's really good at doing. Who do you say I am? And in Matthew 16, I'm going to read out the message version. It says, Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get the answer out of the books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. The Holy Spirit revealed to Peter who Jesus was. He revealed the will of the Father in there. And I love that um, not only does he reveal the identity of Christ to us, 
he reveals the identity of who God sees we, who we are, his will for our lives. And I love this next part of the scripture. And it continues, and now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. It's like, bet you didn't see that one coming, Peter. Just ask a simple question. God reveals something to you, and all of a sudden, God's good Jesus is going to build his whole church on you. That's a major thing. God just, it's like the Holy Spirit moved Peter gave him space to move. He knew what the will of God was. And then in that, Jesus revealed the will for his life. It's such an important thing, being in communion and giving the Holy Spirit space to move. And then it goes on to say in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day your daily bread. God provides. He's provided so many times through, I believe, promptings of the Holy Spirit where he's spoken to other people and right at the moment of need or right at the moment of time where something has just landed in our hands. And it's like they wouldn't even have known that that was a need. They wouldn't even have known that that that, that was what we needed in that time. And that's because people have given the ear, their ear to the Holy Spirit and being obedient to his voice. They've given him space. And the other part of that scripture is, is that the daily bread is like is like the word of God. Like, you know, the Bible says that man should not survive on, on um, bread alone, but by the word of God. And that's the same thing I was talking about before. The Holy Spirit brings the word of God to life. He takes it from being words for the mind for, to food for the soul. He uses it to nourish us and grow us and stretch us. And, and just it's such an amazing thing, reading the word of God with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Then it goes on to say, forgive us as we forgive them. Seriously, I don't have the grace in my human strength or the love to forgive people, especially on a daily basis. Like, I just, I'm just, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. And just recently, I think it was about six weeks ago, I was kind of tested in this area. We have, we, we rent a property and we had this oven and we had this oven for a few years and the oven was always breaking down. Like the hot plates on it were like take an hour to boil water, like it was ridiculous. And when you've got seven hungry kids and a hungry husband to feed and you're like, oh my gosh, I just wanted to cook pasta. Like, you know, like that should have taken 20 minutes. Like this is ridiculous. And so eventually, after the oven broke down so many times, the real estate, the owner, agreed to replace it. And they really, um, they really went out all, out all out, and they bought us a really awesome oven. We requested gas because there was a gas fitting there because I love to cook, and who knows, gas is the only way to cook. So we have a, <laughs> we have a gas top and an oven, and then the oven broke. And I'm like, oh, no, like, they're going to think we're wrecking the place. Like, there were seven kids there. They're probably just, like, you know, playing with the oven. And so I'm like, oh, I felt so bad that I had to contact them and tell them that the oven was broken. And it was all under warranty, so they were totally fine about it. And they sent someone out, and they came out, and they looked at it, and that door were apart, and then they came back, and they fixed it. And it all, like, you know, we didn't have an oven for a few weeks. Like, it was annoying. Like, just, you know, all of a sudden I wanted to bake you know, because they had no oven. You know what it's like when your car's at the mechanic and you all, you can, all you can think of is all the places you wanted to go right now. But if it was any other day, you'd be happy to stay home. It's a bit like that. And anyway, finally it got fixed and I'm preparing dinner and I'm excited because I've got a dinner that's going in the oven. I'm like, yeah, we can use the oven again. Woohoo, this is exciting. And it wasn't really that exciting. But anyway, 
I'd go to open the oven to put the meal in that I've prepared and it's stone cold. I've been preheating it for like half an hour. I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I might have said something different. Anyway, I was like, it was just the tipping point for that day. It was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I've just had enough now. This is just, this is throwing me over the edge. So I text the real estate agent and I explained to her that, unfortunately, the oven is broken again. She, um, she comes back with quite a flippant remark and actually asked me to ring the people to fix it. I'm like, I'm sorry, I thought you got paid to do this, but hey, you know, I'll do your job for you, that's fine. But I was most annoyed that she didn't really seem to care, the fact that I could not feed my family, that I had to go back down the supermarket. Of course, she doesn't know all this. So out of my frustration and my humanness, I sort of sent her a message venting, very factual, but annoyed remarks about the use of this oven and that had it broken yet again. And like I said, it, the old oven had broken all the time, so it wasn't like a new frustration. And uh, so she, she texts me back, what would you like me to do about it? My reply was, nothing, it's fine. Now we all know when a woman says nothing, it's fine. It's not fine, people. It's not fine, men. You need to fix that up. Even if you don't know what it is, she probably doesn't even know why she's not fine. She's just not fine. So anyway, she obviously picked up on that remark because she is a woman as well. And she sent me back kind of a big, long, annoyed text message. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll let you know when it's fixed. I drive down the road because I've got nothing to cook. Everything's frozen. It's dinner time. Everything's frozen in the freezer. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've already gone down the shops that day. I'm back down the shops. I come home. And on, on the way home, I hear the Holy Spirit say, you need to apologize. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and she's like, you need to apologize. The Holy Spirit, you need to apologize. I'm like, I don't want to. I just told her facts. Like, if she took it the way, whatever she, way she wanted to take it, she could take it. But I told her facts. There was a fact that, you know, this is an, an, an you know, an, an inconvenience and, and he's like, you need to apologize. I'm like, I, I really don't want to. Like, so anyway, I get home and I text message her an apology. Sorry for my frustration that I texted to you, something like that. Um, I'll let you know when the oven's fixed. I didn't hear back from her. It's fine. <laughs> totally fine. And I remember... I had bought sausages because I thought that would be quick and easy to cook. And I remember I've got these sausages and I've got the fry pan on. I'm just chucking them in. I'm like, I hate being the bigger person. I hate being the bigger person. Oh, I hate being the bigger person. But you know what? The Holy Spirit makes us the bigger person. He empowers us to be the bigger person. Even when we don't want to be, he will be there with us, urging us on to be the bigger person. And the reward is that I felt okay. She probably spent the whole night angry and annoyed. Who loves being angry and annoyed? It's not a great feeling, right? So it's good to be able to let go and forgive. And I tell you again, another story that's a, a tiny level of forgiveness because, you know, it's these things that can come into our, into our worlds and sneak in and it's not like it's this massive thing that I need to forgive someone that really hurt me. But we need to continually let go of these things and not be offended by anything to keep our lives good and be good with the Holy Spirit. It says, do not lead us into temptation. Again, I'm not strong enough in my own flesh. I need the Holy Spirit to walk me through the temptations of this world. 